Listen, I want to summon your senses and invite your intellect to the book of Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. This is where God has us for today. This is a familiar passage to some and unfamiliar to uh, to others, but I hope that we can tread among unfamiliar territory together. Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 1 and read down to verse 3. And for those in the building, when you have it, say amen. If you need more time, say wait on me. That's all right. That's all right. Matthew chapter 8. I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible today. The Bible says this, and when he had come down from the mountain, a great multitude followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put his hands on him and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. The Bible says immediately. I'll say it again. The Bible says immediately (laughs) his leprosy was cleansed. One more time. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. I want to just preach for a few moments, if I can, antidote for the socially distant. Antidote for the socially distant. Father, we thank you for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ. I've studied, but I still need your spirit. I have prepared, but I still need your power. We thank you, God, for the awesome moment of camp meeting, the time that we've shared together today. And now, finally, Lord, on this last day, We pray that you'll have your way, God. Remove me and only hide me from the cross, I do pray. And let someone draw closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Go ahead and be seated in the presence of the Lord today. Antidote for the socially distant. Over the last few days, Mr. President, many of us have been filled with mixed emotions after the announcement that the U.S. government would officially recognize Juneteenth as a national holiday. Social media was buzzing with opinions and think pieces surrounding this news. Yes, we appreciate, celebrate that they recognize on this day all that took place, but we must never forget the sweltering statement that should ring forever true, that we ain't free until everyone's free. I'll say it again, that we ain't free until everyone's free. Juneteenth should not be just another day on the calendar where we barbecue, where we get a chance to celebrate a few extra days off. No, Juneteenth should be a painful reminder of those who are oppressed and were tricked out of their freedom. African-Americans celebrated on this day before the country would ever recognize it as a national holiday because of the significance that took place 156 years ago. You see, A little over two years after President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation and formally ending slavery, all slaves, 250,000 of them in Texas, were denied the news of their freedom. A little over two years, they continued to labor over racist slave masters. They were used and mistreated. But on this date, June 19th, their prolonged suffering would come to an end as U.S. General Granger would roll into town with his fleet of men and show the news that all slaves were free. He came into town with one purpose, to bring freedom to the captive. You're going to get this in a minute. Dancing and singing and celebration filled the streets because the crisis was over. General Granger delivered the news that made everything better. A former slave said in some memoirs of freedom, he said, I woke up a slave and went to bed a free man. They would be delayed, but they would not be denied. Freedom Day came because a general showed up 
with the message of freedom. I'll try it again. Freedom Day came because a general came to where they were to give them a message of freedom. See, some authors like to call General Granger the freedom general, but I'd like to argue that before General Granger, there was another general of freedom. Ah. Help me to preach in here. See, throughout history, he has had many names. Some people call him the Rose of Sharon. Other people call him the Lily of the Valley, Bright and Morning Star. Other people have called this freedom fighter the Redeemer, the Sustainer, the Strengthener. Some people even call him a Waymaker, a Miracle Worker, and a Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. But everybody in the building just knows him best as Jesus. And the older saints used to say that can't nobody do me like Jesus and can't nobody do me like the Lord. I love this today because everybody needs to know 100% that my freedom is here because Jesus decided to show up. Matter of fact, y'all, my soul gets happy every time I think about him because my freedom day is possible because Jesus decided to show up. My freedom day is here because the central theme is simply this. I had nothing to do with it. It all belongs to Jesus. See, you didn't have the means to keep yourself. You didn't have the means to take care of yourself. Things got better because Jesus showed up. The broken things were fixed. The heavy things were lifted. Things that were crooked. Am I talking to my in here. Things that were crooked were made straight. And just in case you forgot, I'll say it again. It was nobody but Jesus. And freedom that he carries is for everybody. And this is the discipline and the discourse of Matthew chapter 8. I, I love the book of Matthew because Matthew portrays Jesus in a powerful way. He does a great job of describing Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is in the business of making lives better. People love him because he authentically loves people. And here in Matthew chapter 8, the situation is pregnant with possibility, Mr. President. The tapestry of the text in which Matthew portrays brings Jesus to the forefront and letting us know that his popularity and marketability is at an all-time high. And the reason is, Mr. Smith, is simply this, that every time Jesus shows up, something is going to get better. Something's going to happen that's going to turn someone's life around. And when he shows up, everybody can't wait to see him. When news of Jesus spreads, no matter what he's done, no matter what miracle he did. One thing is clear. Jesus can make it better. And here as we investigate the text today, Jesus is in a situation in space where he has come down from the mountain after the delivering the famous sermon on the mount. On his way down, the Bible lets us know he's, he's accompanied by a great multitude. That word multitude, Pastor Scott, in the text multitude is the same word used when Peter was catching fish after the Lord told him to cast his nets on the other side. The Bible says it was so much fish he could not carry. That means that whatever Jesus would do, the multitude would grow to sweltering numbers. It was overflowing. People could not wait to see what Jesus was going to do next. Matthew pictures Jesus coming off the mountain from teaching the multitudes out behind him. And the Bible says, y'all, that as Jesus comes off the mountain, the text says, and there came a leper. I'm going to help you. This leper approaches Jesus limping at every step. His head is scarred. He's wounded with only patches of hair remaining. His skin is battered and bruised. He wears a cloak to cover the visible signs of the disease. Leprosy 
is known in scriptures as the worst recorded disease in history. It's a disease that would kill you from the inside out. It would attack the physical, the neurological, and the psychological because, y'all, there was no cure for the disease. His body was affected, but also his mind. Leprosy brings about only isolation because, y'all know this, leprosy is considered to be contagious. He has to be isolated. He is now a part of the socially distant. He is removed from families and friends altogether and must live among the leprous camp. He cannot interact with anybody. He only has to hang around people who are just as sick as he is. Leprosy, y'all, is literally known as the finger of God or the wrath of God because only God could give it and only God could take it away. That's why leprosy was always attached to the word cleanse because no doctor could cure this thing. They were always sending you to the priest because only God was the one that could fix it. And I do believe this, y'all, that every now and then God will put you through situations where only God can fix it. There are going to be some things where you're going to have no prayer warriors, ain't no friends going to be around, ain't no doctors. All you're going to have to do is fall on your knees and say, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No other help do I know. It's something that we all have to understand here. I love this because Matthew chapter 8, y'all, is literally a collision between the wrath of God and the Son of God. I say it again. It's literally between the wrath of God and the Son of God. This encounter that the leper is about to have with the Son of God is made possible because of the blessing, Dr. Lamb, that's couched in verse 1. The text says, and when he came down from the mountain. See, Mark and Luke both don't cover this specific point, but Matthew gives us the the geological location of what happens here. The significance of this phrase is deep because this phrase, Dr. Lamb, gives us the entire snapshot of the Lord's ministry. That Jesus came down from a high place to deal with my sin in the low place. God, I'll say it again, that God decided to show up. He came down from a high place. Y'all know this, that the basis of my shout, the basis of my celebration is not the new car that I have, the new clothes that I got, the job that I got, the money that I got. The basis of my shout is because Jesus decided to come down from a high place to deal with me down in the low place. Bible says, I love this, y'all. He comes down. The text says, y'all have an opportunity at new life because Jesus comes down. And I have an opportunity at new life because he decided to deal with me in the valley after coming down from the mountain. And Matthew highlights here first. Here it is that in order us for us to receive the antidote for the socially distant, we've got to understand the tenacious pursuits of the leper. Watch the text, y'all. The text says, and there came a leper. The Lord describes, descends from the valley, and the leper unexpectedly invades the itinerary of the divine. The text says, y'all, I'm going to say one more time, and there came a leper. See, ladies and gentlemen, this is significant because if we're not careful, we miss that Matthew chapter 8 is layered with miracles. And if you're not careful, you'll miss the miracle looking at the miracle. I'll say it again. And there came a leper. See, we have no indication of how long it took the man to get to Jesus. We don't know how long or how hard it was to get before the presence of the Lord. But the text silently shouts at us that the first miracle in the text is not that he got cleansed. Or the first miracle of the text is not who he got to. But the first miracle in the text, y'all, is that he was able to break away from people that were just as sick as he was. 
The text says there came a leper because if change is going to occur, it's not who I get to. It's who I was able to get away from. And is there anybody here grateful today for the fact that your victory decided to come because you were able to get away from some people, some toxic relationships, some unhealthy situations, some negative people, some internal struggles. The text says that there came a leper. And I'm grateful today that my victory doesn't start when I get to Jesus. My my victory starts when I decide to get away from some people. See, if you were paying attention to my little introduction about leprosy, you would remember that the leper is coming from the leper's camp, which means, y'all, he is surrounded by people that have normalized his dysfunction. Uh, see, he knows the first step toward freedom requires him to break away from people and places that normalize his dysfunction. He can't listen to other sick people in the camp because they understand that, look, we gonna just be here. There's no cure for our disease. It's no use in, in, in moving. It's no use in going through the trouble just to get to Jesus, y'all. But listen, the man can't say to himself, I'm gonna wait till it's convenient for me. He can't wait to say, maybe Jesus will pass by. No, the man says to himself, I've got to get into the presence of Jesus because my situation situation is actively killing me. See, remember, leprosy kills you from the inside out. He cannot wait till it's convenient for him. He knows I've only got one shot left, and it's to get to Jesus. See, he knows that his situation is terrible. He knows that people have given up on him. He knows that no one could or would take him to Jesus. He has no previous example of Jesus healing leprosy before. He has no promise Jesus will heal, no invitation from the disciples. But yet the Bible says, y'all, that the leper decided to come because the leper said to himself, even though I have not heard him heal leprosy before, what I've heard about him in the past is enough for me to push toward my future. See, I love what Dr. William Carson says. His condition is classed a J-O-P. Can I help y'all? A J-O-P? A J-O-P is a Jesus-only problem. Oh, God, help me to preach in here. Uh, uh, his, his situation is classified a Jesus. Uh, anybody here got a Jesus-only problem that only Jesus can fix, that only Jesus can restore? You got some things in your life. You ought to be grateful today that you had a J-O-P, but thanks be to God that Jesus was in the vicinity and you said to yourself, I've got to get to Jesus no matter what it takes. So, so Mr. President, text says... <laughs> He gets to Jesus, y'all. And the Bible says, get there. Text says, he don't come empty-handed. Text says, and he worshiped him. Now, 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 now notice, Pastor, his disease so dire, you would think he would ask Jesus to heal him first and then worship him. But the text says, y'all, that he worships Jesus. The Bible says the leper came and he worshiped. That word worship in the Greek means the man decides to give God all of his praise, not for what he's done, but simply for who he is. The man decides to give God his best because he realizes I shouldn't be here in the first place. I know how dire my situation is, but the man was so grateful to be in the presence of the Lord. He could not help but open up his mouth and say, thank you, Jesus, as withered and battered as 
as he was, the Bible says he lays prostrate before the Lord and asks the Lord, listen, I, before I ask you anything else, God, I just want you to know I'm going to bless you for who you are, not for what you've done. And see, for a lot of us, we got to get this, this simple fact here is, is that many of us only worship God for what he's done, but we've forgotten that God is sovereign. That I worship God simply for who he is. That I worship God because, listen, the fact of the matter is he woke me up this morning and started me on my way. That's good. But if the Lord doesn't do anything else for me, the fact that I've got breath in my body, it's enough to praise him. Don't you know the prerequisite for praise? The Bible says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. So if you're breathing, you should be praising. If you're breathing, you should wave your hands in the sanctuary. That if you're breathing, you ought to say thank you, Jesus, because you realize after all the hell we went through for a year and a half, the fact that you're still here is a testimony that Jesus, am I talking to myself in here? I'm grateful today, God, before I ask you to do something else, just thank you that I'm still breathing. Remember, y'all, the disease is actively killing him. The next miracle in the text is that he had enough left to make it to Jesus in the first place. See, some of us ought to be grateful and thankful, not for new stuff, but for the stuff you had left to get to Jesus. Bible says, y'all, he decides to worship, but y'all, he worships wounded. Uh, he understands, y'all, that worships won't change, worship won't change his wounds. So we, he won't allow wounds to affect his worship. That worshiping while wounded, understand, y'all understand this, this, this critical thing, y'all, that worship understands that, listen, God, I'm going to praise you even if you don't do it for me. See, wounds aren't just physical. Wounds are also emotional. You got to understand, y'all, in COVID-19, a lot of us understood some new things about worshiping wounded, that we had to leave our churches and get onto a Zoom call. We had to leave our prayer meetings and pick up the phone and talk to certain people. But we learned to worship while wounded, y'all. I got to y'all got to get this in your spirit today. I love the fact, y'all, that we have had some of the most intense, intimate moments with God, and it was not inside of a building. You have had some of the most intense, intimate moments with Jesus Christ, and you were sitting in your living room, in your pajamas, with your Bible in your hand, with tears running down your face, because you realize that I don't need to get into a building to experience the glory and the grandeur of God. You learned some things in COVID-19 about yourself that you would not have learned unless God put you into a social distance situation where you learn, you know what, I'm going to give God my best praise. I don't need a praise team. I don't need a band. I I don't need a preacher. I don't need members. I don't need the deacons. I don't need the ushers. When I woke up this morning and my 10 fingers still work and my 10 toes still work, that's enough to give God praise while wounded. You know what? I am wounded. I am stressed out. I am tired. I don't know what's going to happen next. But the fact that he woke me up this morning is that to say to God, you know what? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So I, I've got to learn to worship. Woman, see, COVID-19 taught us something about worship, that I don't have to be into a building to experience God. Yeah, I miss y'all, but I ain't gonna lie. Me and God had some intense moments in the secrecy of the private place. See, I believe this, y'all. This intense worship toward Jesus is motivated, and I want you to hear it today, by more than just his presence.
The leper knows something about Jesus that causes him to risk it all to meet him. Now come in, lean, lean in, child of God. You do know that the Levitical law says if he's spotted outside the camp, they can stone him to death. Y'all not hearing me today. The leper says, but there's something about him that makes me want to risk it all. And the key thing that the leper knows about Jesus, here it is, ain't gonna be too deep. He knows that Jesus is approachable. <sighs> See, it's not gonna be the angle shadow on this point. The characteristic of Jesus that's often overlooked, particularly in our churches today, is that while lighting, screams, good music, great preaching are important, if our churches aren't approachable, to the broken, then we have little to no purpose. See, some of us have said to ourselves, I can't wait to get back into the building. For what? If you have not changed your heart, if you have not changed, am I talking to myself in here? I can't wait to show up to the same thing we used to do. I can't wait to show up. See, some of us have missed church, not because of the fellowship. You missed the position you used to have. Uh, but God is calling for mature Christians who will say to themselves, I don't need a building to give God praise. That when I come into the sanctuary, the sanctuary is only used to recharge what I've been doing all week long. It's critical for us to understand as doors open. I, I tell you, I say again, especially preachers. Listen, we, we miss church just as much as you all do. But I've learned in this season that if we are not approachable to the broken, then we should just keep our doors closed. The Bible lets us know, y'all, that Jesus was approachable, that broken people did not mind going through hell and high water just to get into the presence of God. And can people in your community say the same thing about your church? He's approachable. We've got to understand that he's attracted to broken people. See, I know for some people that point not might, that, that might not bless you. I know for some people that might not be important because you've said to yourself, well, pastor, I ain't been through no trouble. I ain't had to rush no loved ones to the hospital. I haven't had addiction. I haven't had to deal or manage betrayal. I have not bailed anyone out of jail. I have not dealt with sickness. I have not had more, more bills than money. I have not been through any turmoil. Thank God for you. Bless you. I'm proud of your testimony. But for the rest of us on this earth who are struggling, we need to know that a savior don't mind dealing with my dysfunction, that a savior will welcome me with all of my addictions, all of my hurt, all of my pain. That's exactly why, y'all, I can't wait to get into the presence of God because I realize that he loves me despite me. See, we're propelled broken to move toward Jesus is the simple fact that he don't care what you look like or what you're going through. Matthew chapter 9, the Bible says there are two blind men following Jesus. Doesn't that sound strange that two blind men follow Jesus? But the text says they followed because people with, people with voices who had vision allowed them to make it into the space of Jesus. And the Bible says they opened up and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And the Bible says they should not have been in the space. They broke into somebody's house and the the Bible says he don't turn them away. The Bible says he touched their eyes. The Bible says, and immediately they were made whole because Jesus was approachable. Luke chapter 5, the Bible lets us know there were four friends who had a lame friend. He could not walk. He couldn't do anything about it. The Bible says that the house was packed. Jesus was teaching. Y'all know the story. And the text says they couldn't get in the front door. They couldn't get to the back door. The way they wouldn't let him into the windows. So these four friends brought him up through the roof. And the Bible says he did not 
rebuked them. But the text says he looked at the man and said, man, I say to you, get up. The man ain't have no therapy. The man ain't have no conditioning. The Bible says immediately. Bible says he got up and picked up his mat because whenever God does something for you that you can't do for yourself, you ought to leap out and let everybody know that it was Jesus. And for the man that was carried in, he walked out because Jesus is approachable. He's approachable. And we understand, y'all, it's uh, the tenacity of his pursuit and the meaning behind his worship. But also Matthew gives us, here it is, the power of his plea. <laughs> Mr. President, you don't like this? Elder Preston, going to bless your heart real good today. You need to hear this, Doc. You need to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> Lord says, after he gets done worshiping, he says, Lord, if you're willing, <laughs> you can make me clean. Lord, have mercy. Y'all missed that. Uh, that statement is perplexing because in the text, it's odd because based on the Levitical law, a leper must identify himself or herself by saying out loud whenever they come into spaces, unclean, unclean. But the man walks up to Jesus. He don't say unclean. He says, Lord, make me clean. Y'all <laughs> missed the revelation in the text, y'all. See, he understands that he's breaking Levitical law, but he just don't care. <laughs> See, Ellen White says in Desire of Ages 263, y'all going to love this as Adventists, the restrictions laid upon him, the safety of the people, and the fear in which all men regarded him were forgotten because Jesus was in the vicinity and all he cared about was being made whole. See, he's supposed to say unclean, but all he can say is make me clean. And here's the shout right there. He understands that if his life is ever going to get better, he has to stop rehearsing his sickness with everybody that he meets. I'll say it again. He's got to stop rehearsing his sickness with everybody that he meets, because if he's going to get different, he got to learn to talk different. Anybody want to talk different? I am restored. I am renewed. I am healed. I am beautiful. I do. Am I talking to myself? I do have purpose. Greater is in store. I know I'm sick, but God can still use me. I know I'm broke, but he's making a way. We've got to learn to talk different if we want different. He says, Lord, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Let's, 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 let's break the text down like we in Greek school. I'm going to help you right here. Here it is. He says, Lord, that's authority. If you, if you will, that's possibility. You can make me clean. That's certainty. One more time. Lord, that's authority. If you will, that's possibility. You can make me clean. That's certainty. See, the leper isn't struggling with authority or possibility. His only concern is, Lord, am I going to be next? See, I know you can do it because I've heard what you've done in the past. I just want to know, Lord, can I be next? See, there will be some days we are going in between seasons of certainty and possibility. Lord, I know you can do it, but will I be next? Lord, I know you can heal, but can you heal me next? I know, Lord, you can make a way, but can you allow me to be next? See, y'all, that's why positioning in the text matters. Because this man understands, remember y'all said in the beginning of the text, there's a crowd, a multitude behind Jesus. If the man wants next, he can't be hanging around in the crowd. 
He's got to find his way to Jesus by himself. So, y'all, the text says, y'all, he gets in front of the Lord. Ellen White says he gets in front of him and lays prostrate because he understands how much positioning matters. So he says to himself, Master, I'm going to get in front of you because just in case you feel like healing someone today, I'm right here in front of you. Okay, I'm going to help you. Um, good friend of mine, uh, she's a gardener, and she was telling me, Every year she plants sunflower seeds. And whenever she plants them, she tells me she, she makes sure that she positions them away from a lot of shade. So shade won't be a factor. Because as sunflowers begin to grow, they have something within them called heliotourism. It's a property inside the sunflower that allows the sunflower to follow the sun in the sky. So no matter where... The, the, the sunflower is planted. As long as there's no shade around, it will follow the sun. That's why they call it sunflower seeds. Listen, you gotta understand this, y'all. The sunflower has something within them that allows them to recognize that the sun is moving. So that no matter whether the sun is on the east or on the west, the sunflower is going to, am I talking to myself in here? Is there anybody in here like the sunflower? You've got something within you that says to yourself that God, wherever you move, I'm gonna move just like that. God, wherever you are I'm gonna pace myself exact I don't care what the crowd is doing I don't care what my mama's doing my daddy's doing my I, I'm gonna get into the presence of God because there's something about the Sun that gives me strength Lord if you're willing <laughs> you can make me cleanse Texas y'all Lord says I'm willing Text says, he touched him saying. Y'all, that's, that's perplexing because at the critical point in this ministry right here, the Bible says the Lord touched him saying. The touching and the saying, Sister Mosley, were in sync. But Mr. President, we know that the Lord can think it and you can be made whole. So why in the world does he have to talk to you and touch you? See, we know this. Mark's account lets us know when you do some somatic studying, you understand that Mark says that as soon as he spoke it, the man was made whole. Matthew lets us know that the Lord touches him. Here it is. Remember, y'all, leprosy is a disease that can be easily transmitted if you're not six feet apart from somebody else. Remember, they're socially distant. The Bible lets us know, y'all, that word touch in the Greek means he ain't just tap him. He grabbed hold of the man and said, be cleansed. See, he wants all of us to know right here that for one, he wants the leper to know that I know that because of your dysfunction, nobody wants to touch you or deal with you. But because I love you, I'm going to put my hands on you to let you know that the thing that's killing you, I'm not afraid of because it's in my hands. And instead of the deadly virus transmitting to Jesus, the Bible says the man was made whole so that what you're scared of now belongs to me because I can fix it. But not just for him. Remember, people in the crowd knew leprosy as the finger of God. 
only God could fix it and only God could take it away. So when Jesus grabbed the man and the man got whole immediately, the people said to himself, then this man must be the son of God because only God can save it and only God can cure it. So Jesus is using the man's dysfunction to let everybody know I'm sovereign enough to take care of everything you're struggling with. See, I love this today, y'all, because God is saying here, y'all, that he grabs hold of the man to let him know I'm going to restore you socially and physically. The antidote for the socially distant is simply one touch from Jesus. And is there anybody here today that just wants one touch from God today that God says I can touch you and bring you exactly to where you need to be? But I love this. All this man did was walk up to meet Jesus. Okay, I'm going to close. I got to get back on the road to see my daughter. I'm... About a year and a half ago, my church in Washington, North Carolina, we're building a computer lab, and uh, someone donated to us some, some, some used computers, real nice to kind of make the place nice, and I was excited to, couldn't wait to share what they would do. And so, Mr. President, I opened up the computers, and I turned them all on, and, and I consider myself to be a, a tech guy, and so I was able to do some things, but I noticed that the, the computer that looked the nicest on the outside had nothing but viruses on the inside. So uh, computer was slow, wouldn't turn on, wouldn't really move. It, 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 I did some Google searching on my phone and realized that I've got a deadly virus that needs to be fixed. It's out of my control. And so what I did was I want to use this for next Sabbath to show the people what God has done for us, all these new graphics in my small little church. But I, I wanted to get able to use a computer. Dr. Lane, you say what I'm saying, right? And so what I did was I started searching for computer text to fix it. But everybody like Geek Squad and other places, they need it by appointment only. Y'all gonna get this in a minute. So I got this computer in my hand and, 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 and all the way down on the last search in Little Washington was a small computer place. All it says is we fix it. Um, so so I, I looked up the reviews and Elder Preston, the review says we love them. They do good work. But the best thing about them is that they take walk-ins. So I took my laptop. I had no appointment. The computer was real sick, nothing but viruses. And I went to the store. All it said on the sign is, we fix it, walk-ins are welcome. And then at the bottom, it said authorized dealer to let you know that they specialize in the issue your computer is going through. I walked into the store. I handed them my computer. I said, now, man, I don't have no appointment. I'm sorry I'm here. He said, man, it's no our problem. Our policy is walk-ins are welcome. All you got to do is walk up to us, give us your issue, and we're going to take care of your needs. Do you know in 10 minutes that computer was running real good, everything was cool? It was a problem for me, but a quick fix for them because they understood that we're authorized to fix this issue. I'll say it one more time. I had a computer that needs fixing. I took it to a place called We Fix It, and they took walk-ins. Don't you know, y'all, that the good thing about walk-ins is that you need no appointment. All you've got to to do is walk into the place and hand them your issue and they'll fix what you're going through. Don't you know today that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, don't you know that he takes walk-ins 
the woman with the issue of blood was a walk-in. Blind Bartimaeus was a walk-in. The lame man was a walk-in. The centurion servant was a walk-in. Jairus is am I talking to myself in here? Are there any walk-ins in the building today that could testify? I used to be sick, but I walked in. Used to be broke, but I walked in. Used to be jacked up, but I walked in. Are you grateful today that Jesus still takes walk-ins? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Are there any walk-ins in here today that can stand to their feet and say, thank you, Jesus, that I walked in. I got blessed. I had no appointment, but I walked in. I had no situation, but I walked in. I'm grateful today because Jesus says walk-ins are welcome. The broken are welcome. And we're going to fix your, your need. Because walk-ins are welcome. He came a long way. We don't know where he came from. But he had no appointment. Most puzzling thing about this whole thing to me, y'all, is that he didn't know he was going to make it to him or not. But when he got there, he knew exactly what to do. I've got to learn to say to myself, Lord, I believe in you if you can do it. But if you won't do it, I'll bless you anyhow. Text says he tells him, don't tell nobody what I did for you. It's known, y'all, as the messianic secret. It was not the Lord's time yet. But the man said to himself, now, Lord, how can I not tell anybody? Because what you've done for me, I walk different, I talk different, I look different. And when people ask me what happened, I can't help. In fact, the Bible says, y'all, he went and told everybody. <laughs> because when God has done something for you that you could not do for yourself, it's your responsibility to go and tell somebody else. Over a year and a half, we were in our workers meeting and the president let us know that he didn't know how long we would be in this crisis of COVID-19. And it's not over yet. But Mr. President, I know you'll admit, I'll admit, we didn't think it was gonna be this long. And we didn't think that we'd be doing virtual camp meeting two years in a row. But do you know that God is still sovereign? That we've lost people? We've lost friends, we've lost family, we've lost jobs. Our kids have struggled in school because of virtual classes. We've lost the physical touch of, of seeing family and friends. But the testimony is, if you're watching us online and you're here in the building, you're still here. And if you're still here, that means that God is still in the miracle working business. There's some people maybe in this room Maybe watching online, you got COVID-19 and God restored you. All the stories you read, you were scared to death, but God blessed you because Jesus takes walk-ins. And I want y'all to know today that, that, that hopefully next year we'll be able to walk into the campgrounds, go back into our building and have a good time with our youth. But when you walk into that building, don't you ever forget that it was Jesus that brought you to this moment. See, 
I'm grateful that God takes walk-ins because I don't deserve to have a reservation with him. But I'm grateful today. How about you? Are you grateful today for walk-ins today? Father, we thank you for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ. God, I'm grateful that you take walk-ins. Lord, today I'm grateful that you've got a sign over your chest that says, I can fix it. God, I, I don't know what my situation is. I don't know how to fix it on my own, but you take walk-ins. And Lord, I'm thankful today that just one touch from you is going to make everything so much better. So God, I'm praying today for those who are like all of us. We're socially distant, God. But God, thank you that the antidote for the socially distant is just one touch from Jesus. So touch us, Lord, today. Lord, those who are sitting in their living room, touch us, God. Those who are watching us on the sick bed, touch us, God. Those in the building today, God, touch us, God. And Lord, when it's all said and done, we'll look back over the years to go and say to ourselves, when COVID is eradicated and things get better, it was nobody but Jesus. So God, today, take care of us, heal us, and restore us. And we promise to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. God, come on, put your hands together.